the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeartRadio Station. Welcome in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial. CFP Chad Burton has just graced me with his presence. I'm in awe. I've got a little moisture around my forehead. I'm not sure what that means, but go with it. <laughs> Something to do with being in awe, right? I guess so. Okay, so here's the headline. Take a look to your right. Mt. Gox CEO confesses the bitcoins are gone. Now uh, he looks like a guy from the um, the American Pie movie series. Okay, see, I was <laughs> he's he's Chris Farley's ugly brother. I, yeah, that's probably where I go. <laughs> Do you know what Mt. Gox stands for? Oh, no way. Okay, now, you know what Bitcoins are, right? Yeah, yeah, Not yeah. Bi- yeah, Bitcoins. Digital currency. And every time I say Bitcoin, we hear this noise. It won't get annoying. Is it a drinking game, too? No, no, it's, it's tied towards tomorrow. So Mt. Gox comes from, stands for Mather, no, no, Magic the Gathering Online Exchange. So this bank... That's this what bi- he looks like. This Bitcoin bank was basically from the basement of the science building... This guy started uh, Magic the Gathering, where you could actually trade magic cards. The Red Dragon. I'll take the Orcish Army. And that's how... And Okay. He said, I admit we lost 850,000 Bitcoins, nearly half a billion dollars. That guy's going to have a drinking problem. Oh. He, well, okay, so with Bitcoins, a lot of the problem is what, Rob? Black market... Money laundering issues like tied to to that angle. To me, what? It, it, yeah, of course. Obviously, it's had a dirty, uh, you know, underpinning so far. There's okay, been some. So who lost money in that? Well, no, some rich people who thought it was going to be another currency, or some some people who are gun toting, fearful of gold collapsing, the economy. Right. So it's a lot of people lost money, not just. How long do you give them? But or somebody offs him. Oh, obviously it's based in Japan um, at this point in time, but it's going to be a big problem. Uh, Again, the digital currency won't go away, Bitcoin won't go away, but not yet. If this happens again, then there's a very good chance it collapses completely to zero. Yeah, Yeah, I don't have the stomach to, I was talking about that on the 1 o'clock show a while back when we were looking at the Winklevoss twins and they're trying to launch an ETF tied to Bitcoin. Somebody else is now too. Sure. But apparently on this deal, from what I read the other day, this this kind of chink in the armor um, had been known about for quite some time, and they never did anything about it. What's interesting is that I get, well, up until this event with Mt. Gox, Magic Gathering Online Exchange, up until that happened, um, I was getting emails from people like, how do I invest in Bitcoin? Should I buy Bitcoin? Yeah. And I, I bet that goes away for a while at this point in time. Like everybody's excited about gold. So, And what's odd about it, Chad, is like there are digital currencies out there. 
I've got a Capital One credit card that gives me points every time I use it. Mm-hmm. That's a digital currency. Points are a digital currency. True. Um, <clears throat> if those were to all get wiped away, I wouldn't feel terribly bad. But if my Bitcoins got all wiped away, I'd feel terribly bad. Right, because with the points, and, and you see, that's the way you break down the story really well, because digital it points, even air miles, essentially, it's a digital Absolutely. currency. And uh, the difference is, is you get that as a reward. So some people have you know, changed their dollars into Bitcoins, and when it's your own money that you physically did that with, or you know, did that transfer, and then you lose it, it hurts a heck of a lot more than an airline just going out of business and you lose your air miles. Anything in particular you want to talk about other than Bitcoin? Um, no, you got me on the spot there. I, I came with an open slate, Rob. Okay, you're an open slate. So I can Mold be, the show as you will. I can go anywhere with you. Okay, so one of the things I want to talk about is how ultimately easy it is and how complicated people make things. Like, I think Bitcoin makes your financial life complicated. <laughs> it doesn't get old, does it? No. So um, I don't want to run around and jump over barrels right now. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things um, I, I, I think that makes it terribly simple for people is you want to own a house, you want to retire with money, you want a vacation, you want retirement homes. Mm-hmm. So those are goals. Most people don't have financial goals. Do you have financial goals? Yeah. What are some of your financial goals? Um, a lot of it is uh, you know cash flow. And so I've got some real estate investments, but I also have three kids that go to college. Yep. So, um, and then obviously growing a business that's growing faster than the overall market itself. Sure. So it's really a matter of, of looking out and saying, okay, when are my, when are these cash flow items going to be in place? How much am I saving now for college versus when maybe I'll pay off my real estate early so I have more cash flow to pay for college at that point in time. So it's a lot of financial forecasting. Um, when you're a business owner, it's really, really important because a lot of people can be wealthy but they might be cash flow strained because they're still growing their business. That happens a lot in the Bay Area. Probably a lot of people at WhatsApp, Rob, were, WhatsApp. were, were uh, you know, cash flow poor yeah. until just recently, right? Yeah, obviously the $16, $17 billion acquisition, when you own 1%, you walk away with $160 million as one of the 50 employees. Boom. Yeah, it's just, wow. Could you imagine dating that person? <laughs> you probably got dumped. Exactly. I was just going to say you're done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, and you come back the next day, I got baby. I got your baby. <laughs> oh, um, so one of the cash flow issues you're talking about is college costs. Oh, yeah. That's something pending in your world, sort of, or is a couple of years away? Yeah, I've got, I got three. One's a 14-year-old, so he'll finish eighth grade this year. Okay. And uh, so any thoughts on just flunking them for a few years in, in high school? Tell them to, like... <laughs> Cheat, get caught cheating, flunk, and have to do redo the whole year like three or four times. This is a kid that has wrote a book. He's he's doing Spanish on his own through Rosetta Stone, and he is taking algebra classes during the summer so he can make sure by the time he's a senior he's in calculus. I mean, he's my point. Being I'm not worried about that kid at all. No, I'm not. You, what I was trying to say is you could delay the costs. <laughs> I see what you mean. So, Still let him graduate until he's 20. Yeah, exactly. Keep him back a couple more years to lay the cost. But then again, the college costs are growing faster, so you probably want to get them through before they're a million dollars a year to go to college. Yeah, and, and college costs is really something you should work with a college counselor, not somebody that's trying to sell you life insurance. What's a college counselor? Well, they'll go through um, testing with the kid, uh, aptitude issues, and, and say, okay, what is the right college for you, or a couple of different ones. 
for example, a lot of people look at, say, UC College is, is less expensive than some other private school. Sure. But it takes five years to get through a UC College. Okay. So you're actually paying five times that cheaper tuition versus four years of a, of a different college. So, and it's such an investment, and I feel bad for these, these um, you know, parents that, oh, yeah, I'll go ahead and pay for you for that, you know, psychology degree or, or English degree or something that's really non-tech or non, you know, related to where people are actually getting jobs at this point in time. And it's a huge investment. I mean, some people spend fifty to $100,000 right now on their kids' investment. That's worth 200000 in 10 years, 400000 in 20 years. That's 400000 of your retirement that you're putting into your kids. So you've, you've got to make it work. It's a huge investment. With that out there, um, you said college counselor. Is that a public high school person, or is that someone you pay? Uh, yeah, somebody that you would pay a fee to. Okay. Um, I'll post it on uh, one person that I use on the Facebook page. <laughs> Were you playing a game? No. <laughs> Is that Candy Crush? Rob? No. 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 Flappy Bird? How about... No. Flappy Fish. I have no games on my phone. Zero. That's sad. I know. Um, I accidentally hit a button. So the question was, the, the follow-up was, I've got... Uh, Seeing that I take financial emails and you do a financial show once or two here on KDOW, AM 1220, well, you do a show 60% of the time. <laughs> you have a robot do it 40% of the time. <laughs> With that said, uh, I, I hear a lot of parents that want to buy real estate in their kid's college town, mm-hmm. basically set them up as housing there. Good idea, bad idea, because obviously housing is an expense that when your kid's in college, you don't get that money back. It's rent, basically, unless maybe you buy a rental. Put them in, then you can depreciate a little bit, pay yourself rent, potentially sell it to another parent. Yeah, it's um, it, well. First of all, you if you're gonna do it, you you can't ever buy real estate thinking I'm just gonna hold it for four or five years while my kids in college. Okay. Because um, we all know what real estate cycles do, right? And we're at very high prices now. Wait, Who wait, knows? Wait, wait. Let's pretend I'm a real estate agent. What a real estate what cycle? Real estate they cycle happen? every seven to ten years. How do you spell cycle? <laughs> S. I-C-L-E. I just pissed off a lot of real estate agents. <laughs> real estate always goes higher. There's no cycle. It always goes higher. <laughs> Give me your money. Yep. I just pissed off one or two real estate agents. No. Then you didn't get your 7% commission. Is it 7% commissions now? I think they split it, right? Anywhere from whatever to whatever. Who knows? So my real estate agent, I talked to on a semi-regular basis. She's remained in my life even after I bought a home you know, five years ago. Relationship building, there you go. Yeah, she said back in the 80s, she's a little bit older. I like my real estate agents a little bit older. <laughs> you know I like my real estate agents a little bit older. It's like that Josie's on a vacation. Okay, um, I'll drop that. Um, she said back in the 80s, buying a house was a one-page document. So she's rushing around getting like hundreds of pages signed now. And it used to be like, here, sign one page. Congratulations, you just bought a house. A lot of paperwork in real estate now. It is. It's... Yeah, it's it's annoying. <laughs> it's, it it like, really is annoying. It's an industry of admins. Like, it used just to be a little simpler affair, and they were like, "How can we get more jobs in this market? Let's create more regulations, so we have to hire more people." Yeah. You're in that. You're in that business too. I I was looking at a piece of property the, just this last week and looking at an easement 
uh, notice that was written in 1991 that I, I couldn't understand. I was like, okay, if I'm going to understand this, I have to hire an attorney to explain it to me. A lot of paperwork in financial world, whether it be financial planning, whether it be stocks investing, whether it be will and trust, whether it be real estate. Lots of paperwork. Make sure you work with the right experts. You can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black. You can find me at robblack.com. Not in my house. Better hope you make it. Otherwise, you. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. Playing trades with my producer, trying to get him to look at the call screen. Okay, he's missing it. Neither here nor there. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Um, one of the things I learned, Frank Cooley taught me a lot about radio. Chad Burton. Frank Cooley works at CBS now. He basically brought me out to California from CNET many, many years yeah. ago. He said, just be honest on radio. And... I, you know, I was like, do you want me to hit the time clock? It's like, ding dong, diddly, ding dong, it's seven minutes before the hour. That's not me. And I think that's one of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten. Like, I was just trying to ask my producer, who's that? I've not heard this rejoin yet. I said, look at the call screen, because I wrote, who is this? Sleeper agent. That's the name of the band? I suppose. Mm. So, anyhow, that's one of the things we try to do is uh, bring fresh Alternative new music that may be mainstream sooner than later. Um, so the CFP, Chad Burton, you and I were talking during the break about mudslides. We were talking about, you know, car accidents during rain. Uh, what's your preparation for emergencies? What's your preparations for worst-case scenario? How much insurance do you have in your life? Tell me a little bit about how you structure it. Um, well, most of my real estate assets are not in this area, so it's a little bit different. Um, well, I'm not even okay. I'm just asking about your insurance profile. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the basic profile is is that in terms of your auto insurance, yeah. um, you you have to get a certain amount because you, you get your auto insurance, you get your homeowner's insurance, and those have to be at certain levels in order for you to get an umbrella policy. Um, so, for example, if you have a 300-100 limit on your auto policy, it means if you get into a bad accident, each person in that accident can be covered up to $100,000 and a total coverage for a bad incident would be $300,000. Anything over and above that, they're going to go after your personal assets. So you have an umbrella policy that steps in and covers everything, whether it happens in your home or your car. It's an umbrella. It covers everything outside of the normal coverage, and it's super cheap. A million bucks is usually around 350 bucks a year, and uh, you, you need two times your net worth. Okay. So Most people underinsured, overinsured? Underinsured. Okay. Um, while you're at it, too, when people are calling, we were talking about this last night because I think it, you know, in terms of identity theft issues, we've got the target breach and fresh in everybody's mind. Um, a lot of homeowners insurance coverage, you can also buy identity theft protection. Um, they're not always very good. Uh, a lot of times they're just a reimbursement program. Okay. And they're not 
maybe necessarily a monitoring program. When you get your identity theft insurance, obviously there's the identity guard, there's LifeLock, um, there's Xander Insurance. Those are kind of the, the top ones. Xander Insurance is the one that you probably don't like because Dave Ramsey recommends it, but that's the one that will actually do the legwork for you if you have your identity stolen. The other ones are all reimbursement programs. And the hard thing about it is when, you're, when your identity is stolen, it's cleaning up that mess. It's time away from work. It's a headache. It's a pain in the butt. Who would you recommend that for? Because most Americans Everyone. are living paycheck to paycheck, and they can't budget in the worst-case you know, credit card theft. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess so it's not for everybody, because if you can't afford to – you're living paycheck to paycheck, you can't afford to Yeah, that's probably it. an optional insurance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and of course, having up-to-date – PCs and making sure you've got the, you know, the basic stuff there because it's, and I would not write a lot of checks by hand. Yeah. There's more chances that a check by hand, there's like, I don't know, something like 12 different chemicals that can wash a check and then they can rewrite it however they want. And it's already got your account numbers and. Through 2015, um, all the 18, not all the 18, but there's going to be a massive push to upgrade the credit card swipe machines in the United States. So it should get a little bit better in theory. Well, it is, and you, I went to Canada. I was in a place, um, like these little places in the middle of nowhere, Spillamachine and Fernie, Canada, and they all have the card chips yeah. and different swiping technology. That's way ahead of the game in terms of what we do here. You think that's a Canadian thing or a remote thing? I think it's an everybody but the U.S. thing. Okay. So that technology, you, you saw that, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the card company that does that chip technology in the U.S. It was up huge after the whole Target thing, and everybody started talking about the chip technology. Um, so, yeah, it's in, it's, it's tough because you want to pay your bills online. We had that question last night. We tell people to go to mint.com, for example, to learn how to track your expenses. And a guy in the audience was concerned because he has to put his credit card number and his password, um, or his his username and password in for his credit card, and he's very concerned about that. Well, you got to learn about three-way encryption. The people there can't really see your password. So it's it's safe. If you're putting your password in on your own computer, it's just as safe as putting it in there, in my opinion. Can I make a comment about the seminar recently? Be nice. Someone brought cereal. He sat in the back of the room, poured some milk, poured cereal, and ate cereal at the event. Are you, I didn't see the milk. Pour. Are you serious? Oh, it's uh, silk milk. So, I, I mean, I can tell you everything. He peeled an orange inside of a plastic bag, which was fantastic. But the plastic bag was shredded. It's been reused and recycled so often. This was one of those Californians that I wish would stay at home versus come out to the fence. <laughs> His body odor was unconsciousable. It was so nauseating. Uh, no, it made, yeah, it was so nauseating it made me nauseated. He, he, he was noxious. He was toxic. He smelled so bad. People looked like, Rob, do something. So basically I jumped to the rescue and I threw baking powder all over him and saved the day. Yay, my hero. <laughs> So anyway, how can, how can people find you, Mr. Burton? Uh, newfocusfinancial.com or chatburton.com if that's easier to remember. At Chad M. Burton is my Twitter handle. Chad M., what's the M stand for? My middle name. What's your What's your social security number? It's uh, What's yours? <laughs> is your middle name really Millhouse? <laughs> Millhouse, yeah. Chad yeah, Millhouse Burton. <laughs> I like it. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Yeah. <laughs> 231. I'm going to start giving out your credit card, your 
So security number. <laughs> you can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. You can find Chad at chadburton.com, chadburton.com, or on your book financial.com. Questions? Drop me an email at rob at robblack.com. There are many sounds in your day-to-day life. There are sounds that wake things. The views and apologies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you. At 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Joining me today, CFP Chad Burton. Mr. Burton is a certified financial planner. What is a certified financial planner, and what certifies you? This question again. Okay, drop it. <laughs> no. Okay, it's a certified financial planner. We do uh, tests in taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning, investing. You have to do uh, pass each test before you move on, and then eventually get to the final exam, which is 10 hours over two days. Uh, national pass rate is 55%, so it's a tough test. And you have to keep up a certain amount of um, continued education each year, and the CFP board um, deals with issues of efficacy. There's a big push right now to make sure that people that use the designation are actually fiduciaries because there's a lot of insurance agents out there that use the CFP designation. They've gone out and passed the test, yet they sell insurance and use that as an end-all, you know, end-all, be-all financial planning tool when you're not acting as a fiduciary. And that's the whole point of the CFP is to make sure that you're working with the the interest of the client as number one versus commission as number one. Let's cover some basic retirement questions that come in all the time. People ask, and this is so common, should I pay off my home in retirement? A lot of people in the Bay Area start buying a home late in life, and then they're forced into that dilemma of, ooh, I still have 14 years, but I'm retired. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the dilemma comes to if they're for wealthy people, if they pay a lot of AMT, they might not even be getting much of a tax deduction from their mortgage. Or if you've got, you know, your 18, 20 years into a 30-year fixed mortgage, you don't have hardly any interest deduction anyways. So in the past, it almost always made sense to be able to take whatever cash you had that you could pay off the mortgage with and invest it in something pretty safe and make more money than what your interest charges were net of taxes. So usually, you you know, and for younger people, you always want to do that. I don't like paying off your mortgage early when you're younger. But lately, when people are looking at the bond market in this low, low interest rate environment, and I think um, we're going to be in a fairly low interest rate environment for the next three to five years, people that have too much cash on hand, they already have enough equities, uh, people that have too much in bond funds that are subject to losses if interest rates go up, those people can actually trim some of their cash, trim some of their bonds, and use it to pay off their mortgage. But the first thing they want to do is go to the tax advisor and model that. So if I have less interest income from the cash and the bonds that I used to pay off my mortgage, and I don't have this tax deduction, can I still itemize? And a lot of people still can itemize because of property taxes and other issues. So if you can still itemize your deductions 
and use some of your cash or your you know long-term bond funds to pay that off, it might make sense if you're you know 10 years from retirement or in retirement at this point in time. Finished with that topic? Mm-hmm. So no follow-up questions needed, like, what if I... That's a lot that? of what ifs. I mean, yeah. you, you, just, you have to run the scenario. You have to model it out. That should be your bumper sticker. There are a lot of what ifs. <laughs> and mine will be if ifs and buts were candy and nuts or what a party would have. And what it is, is. That's, that's, that's my favorite one. Okay, easy. Which accounts do I draw upon first? That's a, another big question that comes all the time. And it's tied towards, okay, I've accumulated my wealth or I've accumulated assets. Now, which ones do I do? The 401k, the 403b, the regular accounts, the taxable accounts, the non-taxable accounts, the pensions. Um, which ones? Is there priorities? Yeah. You know, I just was reading an article the other day, and I see this, I feel like once a month where you get somebody that's in, you know, a journalist, and they get assigned to the, the financial side of the paper, and they start writing as if they're financial gurus. Okay. And what they have is an English degree. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> so, is that better than a journalist degree? I don't know. You okay. tell me. <laughs> so, anyways, you, they they always say, well, hold off on your IRAs because that's going to be the most taxes, which is actually completely wrong. The first place that you want to look to and model as you get close to retirement is drawing from your IRAs first. If you're a person that... Um, you know, has very little cash and taxable investments outside of your retirement accounts, you would look to those to draw and live off of and get it, pull enough out of those IRAs to maintain that 15% federal bracket, which is your itemized deductions plus about 79 grand if you're married filing jointly. So you can, uh, a lot of cases, you can take enough out of your IRAs um, to equal, you know, over 80 grand and still be at a 15% bracket, which is still the same as a capital gains rate. Or if you have a lot of cash and a lot of taxable investments from 65 or whatever age you retire to age 70, you, instead of living off that money and spending it, you convert it from your IRAs to a Roth to maximize that bracket so that by the time you get set to be 70 and a half when you're forced to pull money out, you're not forced to pull as much as you would have been out of the IRAs. And you've built up a tax-free Roth account. Tax-free. I mean, for yourself, for your heirs, and every, everyone else. I just got a headache from that. Yeah. Can I, hire, can I hire you to do it for me? Is that what a CFP does? Oh, yeah, yeah. If, I mean, we do a lot of cash flow, tax analysis, modeling. So can I get in the RV, leave town, and you'll say, here's your budget for the month? Or is it a little less than that? Little less than that. Like, will you give me if you're my CFP? Would you give me a monthly budget? Yeah, and that's and and part of it is gathering all of your expenses. This is one of the hardest things between you know gauging risk tolerance and keeping sure. people out of being too exuberant on the market when it's advertised. Here's what's working now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Is is gathering the correct expenses uh-huh. and seeing you know if based on what you're spending now. Here's how long your money's going to last. But there are people definitely that. They might not have retired with enough money, and so you do have to put them on a budget. If you draw more than this out of your accounts, you are going to run out of money before you run out of time. So you do have to set some people on a budget, and sometimes the easiest way to do that is to treat your portfolio as a paycheck and say, okay, we're going to send X amount of dollars to your checking account every month. If you're overspending that, you're going to have problems. And some people like to do it that way. They don't like to track their expenses. They just want to be put on a budget. Have you had a similar conversation like that? 
they, you just basically were very frank about a financial situation with how much you could spend. Do you have clients that you've said that to? Oh, yeah. And a lot of times people will retire and then come in for a financial plan. And the one, oh gosh, you know, they think they've got, you know, a million dollars in Social Security, and they think they're, you know, really, really well off, yet their expenses are $120,000 a year, and they're not. They don't have enough assets to support that level of spending going into retirement. Those are the tough conversations. Yeah. The, the people that retire after, they get a plan after they retire. That's really. I like tough conversations. I know you do. You, know, you like to see people squirm a little bit. No, I don't think that's tough. I, like, I think people should be able to say, like, hey, if you don't have enough money, should you continue working or not? Um, I'd rather have the conversation now than face the reality later. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is that people that work on commission in this business, yeah. they'll blow smoke. They really will. They'll say, oh, well, that's fine. You got a million dollars. We'll put it in this asset. We'll put it in this annuity, and you'll get X number. You're going to be fine because they want to make the sale. And sometimes they get frustrated waiting for people to figure out what they really want and how they want it. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's got to be a part of your problem in your world. Like, people think that they want market upside, then they don't want market downside, but they do want, like, it's it's got to be a pretty weird damnation game at times. Well, yeah, that's what we, we're talking about all the time is that people that, well, should I get preferred stocks instead of bonds? Should I get dividend-paying stocks instead of bonds? Okay, the bond side of your portfolio is for the cushion during those three out of ten years that are bad, you have to have some fixed income, some cash to draw on at those three out of ten years that are bad in the market. Take a decision. Oh, oh, you can listen to Chad every day from 1 to 2 here on KDOW AM 1220. You can find him and download. I was stunned how many downloads you have at your website at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Reach out to him. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. At times, I fancy myself James Lipton. The financial media. And right now we're inside the Financial Planner Studio. Joining me today, CFP Chad Burton. So Chad, what's your favorite curse word? <laughs> jeez. <laughs> oh jeez. Oh jeez, really? <laughs> Dang it. Um, actually, I'm honored and thrilled that I get to sit down with you. One of the questions that I get regularly is, when do I take Social Security? And that's if you take it early, it's 62-ish, and you die at 63-ish, you did the right thing. If you, like, that's people, are, they don't know. Yeah, so and I guess it's a personal decision based on your health, personal decision based on your finances, personal decision based on longevity in your family. Uh, what's the right answer? Well, the right answer is you actually have to model it because there's a lot of different situations. You have two working spouses that might have made the same amount of money. You have maybe one spouse that stayed at home for a while and didn't get as much benefits, so you know very different amount of Social Security. 
um, and you have sometimes life expectancy issues. And a lot of times, the you know, a guy would say, you know, I'm retiring. I'm 62. I've got health issues. I'm only going to live till I'm maybe 80. Right. So I'm going to take it as early as possible and get what I can. But what they don't think about is that when you pass away, your survivor keeps the bigger check, and their smaller check goes away. So maxing that out is important. And there's file and spend strategies, for example, where that same guy that retired at 62 or let's say he retires at 65, could file and suspend. So in other words, he files, but suspends payments until he's 70. It makes his spouse eligible for spousal benefits, so they take their spousal benefits, and then when they both turn 70, they can turn on their own benefits and let them accumulate, which equals to about an 8% rate of return from full retirement age to age 70. And then if he does pass away early, his bigger check stays with his wife. Um, and you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars over time. Typically, when we run the different scenarios of taking it early versus the prime strategy is what we call it, um, it's, it's usually, if somebody lives till about 80, 86, it's usually hundred dollars to $300,000 in differences in benefits. Sometimes I fancy myself as the Dr. Phil of financial planning radio shows. You have a better stash. <laughs> Thank you. So my father, and this is a father story that's going to end in tears, and why did you do that? My father had a lot of life insurance on my mother, almost none on himself. In fact, he let a policy lapse on himself that would have given my mother a big payday upon his death. Mm -hmm. How often do you see that kind of scenario of, you know, the whole Social Security thing that you talked about where some people take it early and kind of screw their spouse who lives longer, they should have waited and got the bigger paycheck kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, How often do you see, I I don't want to say bad decisions, Um, what is selfish? My dad was selfish. He thought my mom is a little overweight. He was skinny, but he was the smoker who died of cancer. Um, Tragically, 20 years before she did. And she's not even dead yet. So 20 plus years. Yeah. Well, I see it all the time. And and really, the reason why I've been talking about about Social Security a lot lately is because because of all the budget issues at the government level and the sequestration and the debt ceiling, everybody is, oh, my gosh, Social Security is going to run out of money. I better take it as early as I can. I don't think it's going to run out of money for people that are in their 50s and above because we can print enough money to to support it. If Social Security went under our sovereign debt, let me yeah, let me be more be, let me be more blunt. Between husbands and wives, how many times do you find conflicts of interests in some of the decisions that they make, whether it be life insurance or Social Security, or you know, he goes out and buys a Lamborghini in retirement and she eats you know noodles. <laughs> or there's a secret shopping yeah. problem that the husband didn't know about or vice versa. You've already told that one so many times on yeah. the yeah, so the, the, Come up with a new one. Just make something up right here. Make something up right now. Make it up. No one will know. Um, they can't hear me right now. I've got the dump button on. I dealt with one lady that went through a divorce, and her husband had a whole other secret family in Kentucky where he would travel for business all the time. Golden <laughs> like, like, retriever, kids, get two everything. Yeah. Kept it hidden for 12 years. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if he's my... <laughs> some crazy stuff that goes on out there. Question for you. Is he my personal hero or is he a bit of a jerk? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how well dog, how well trained the dog was. So Does Fox have the rights to the show? Oh, man. It, it should be a show. Okay. The Secret Family Show. I like it. I know. I know. It's already been done, unfortunately. Um, should I roll over my 401k or leave it? That's a question that's real common. We've got a few minutes here, so try to be concise. Well, it's, that one's easy because you always want to roll over your 401k to an IRA. Unless, what if you're not good at picking stocks? What if you're not good at decision-making? Well, the, Either way, you have to make the decisions in your existing 401k. 
So if you're not good at it and you're they're, you're doing okay, go to Schwab or TD and open up an account, and you can buy those same funds without a without a load typically in a brokerage account. So the only time you leave it there is if a bankruptcy attorney or so you're getting sued and your attorney is telling you to leave it in the 401k instead of rolling it to an IRA. Or number two, if you've, you're 55, if you are over 55 and then you leave or retire from your company, a lot of 401k plans allow you to take money out without that 10% penalty. Okay. If you're 55 and over, IRAs are 59 and a half and over. So it's uh, you might leave it there from 55 to 59 and a half and then roll it over. A lot of times I refer to myself as the Oprah Winfrey of financial planning radio. <laughs> you really expect... Can you just mix Dr. Phil and Oprah Winfrey together? No, no. <laughs> you have to get That's doctor. really more like it. Do you really expect for a 25, 30-year-old person who's working at Visa who goes to Google to roll over a 401k, do you really expect that, girlfriend? I'm going to jump up on this chair like Tom Cruise. <laughs> yes, roll that 401k over. But do you really expect young people to roll over 401k IRAs? They just don't have... I don't think they have time. I don't think they care. I don't think well, they, if we're talking about call. millennials, and we're talking about, you know, 40 or over, yeah. But um, millennials, they're like, they don't trust it anyways right now. They're just not, unfortunately, they're, they've lost connection with investing. We're going to have a lost decade of investors, I think, and, and that's sad. It is sad because the saving early is the most important part of becoming wealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, you could yes, you can hit the lottery, but if you save in your 20s, if you save $10,000, it'll become 30, 000, uh, 20000 by the time you're 35-ish. It'll become 40000 by the time you're 40-ish. It'll become 40000 Like, it, it adds up quickly. Yeah. A small amount of money, $166 a month when you're young, it leads to millions in retirement. <laughs> it does that 15% saving in your 401k plan when you start work. It's so important, and it builds up so fast it'll blow, blow people away. But if they've been ignoring it, and then they all of a sudden they're now looking at their five-year average return in their mutual funds and their 401k. 2008, which was the last bad full year, down 30 plus percent, right? Sure. That has fallen off the track record. So now people are going to be looking at their U.S. large cap and small cap five-year returns, and they're going to pile all their money into there, thinking, "Oh my gosh, this did 30 percent plus last year. I'm going to put all my money in there because it's doing so well." Well, they're doing the wrong thing. So it's going to create another disappointment for them I think if uh, if they don't you know maintain that diversification in the international and for rollovers of 401ks to IRAs you tend to recommend TD Ameritrade Fidelity Vanguard to your price uh, TD and Schwab are my favorite places thanks very much you can find TFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com that's newfocusfinancial.com it's a website chock full of downloads i.e. material you can read in the privacy of your own home and time it's newfocusfinancial.com He actually moved up to the shoulder. To Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. 
Listen to Bare Hands, post-punk indie rock band. Ever played a band, Chad? No, I'm not musically. No music skills at all? In any way, shape, or form. I was actually kicked out of high school um, band. I played drums, and I was so bad at it. This is, this is embarrassing. <laughs> First and foremost. I've seen you dance, you have no rhythm. I got no rhythm. But I was so bad at it that in the concert thing that they do, and I think this is eighth grade, pre-high school, they moved me from drums to bass drum. You know, the timpani drum. Like basically one hand. Yeah, exactly. And then they, oh, wait, it gets better. (laughs) I eventually played the triangle. I played cymbals. So there's that big Star Trek song. uh, song, And you go, and then they got me down to the triangle. (laughs) That's when you finally left. That's what I was, yeah, so I was embarrassed. My mother. You didn't get to go cowbell? No, I never did. That'd be a better story. My mother actually knitted. I don't know, it was stitched, I don't see, croquet, it was a Christmas ornament with me playing the cymbals. This is your worst memory of school, up there for every single Christmas. Yeah, it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) That didn't work out for me. Like I said, I fail a lot. Sometimes I win, sometimes I lose. Anyhow, and anyway, um, yeah, no bands for me either. And It's it's interesting, it would be cool to be a band guy, and band guys probably go, it would be cool to be a financial guy. (laughs) <laughs> Probably not. Or a football player. Hey, I used to I used to have my way with popularity. Um, long-term care insurance. This is an insurance that my mother has used. Um, so it's paid off for? Most of it is because my father was in the military, so he's you know pretty good health care in retirement. Um, but if she didn't, we would be broke. Or not we, but she would be broke. I would disown her. I would cut her as fast as I could. I don't know who you are, old woman. Um, But, yeah, she's fallen three times since 75 years old, or she's been in long-term care facilities three times after 75. So it would be expensive. I mean, the the, the taxpayers were paying a lot for my mom. Well, you know, and only if she spent down her assets to 2,000 bucks plus plus the home. So you can't get any state assistance unless you're broke. So eventually the taxpayers might. You know, and and you got to be careful because if mom or dad gift any money out or you gift money to them, it could actually ruin their eligibility. Is that right? For Medi-Cal or Medicaid, there's a three-year look back or more, depending on the state. Um, in some states, too, you should be able to protect the whole house. In some states, you can only protect up to 500000 of equity now. Okay. So it's much harder to get that. So I had to learn about this planning very early on because, you know, been in the business for 21 years. I started with my grandfather. His clients were all in their 70s. Yeah. And so what would happen is you'd have husband and wife, barely enough money to retire on, right? Right. And so one of them would go in. <clears throat> excuse me. You cough drop? I think so. Um, one of them would go in and they'd say, okay, if, if I'm my husband goes in with Alzheimer's five years, I'm dead broke and I'm in poverty. So there's ways, spousal impoverishment laws, <clears throat> where you can shift assets over in certain ways using an attorney. There's actually sometimes an annuity involved. Not a normal annuity. It's got to be a very specifically written one. And uh, where you can funnel income to the well spouse and get the, the ill spouse on state assistance or Medicaid or Medi-Cal. But there's very strict rules <clears throat> and laws and regulations. I get all choked up talking about it. It's just sad. So many people go in. It's tragic. Did you see the tear in my eye? It's um, my grandmother. She um, suffered from Alzheimer's, as I called it when I was six years old. Old Alzheimer's, yeah. And she was in bed for three years. Three years. Not walking, not talking, not... And when she talked, she thought she was six years old. Yeah. Um, she didn't recognize my mother. Incredibly painful. Um, 
going some people age well, some people don't age well. Yeah, there's a lot of um especially in male Alzheimer's cases where yeah. they get very violent. Okay. As uh, on the, when on the rapid cases where the memory goes so fast, it's very frustrating yeah. to a human. So they they will lash out physically. It, it's and also they're still alive and they're still cognitive. Does that sometimes play into like you think you're going to get an inheritance, but father's got old timer's disease and suddenly a lot of cash goes away very fast. Oh yeah, I mean we ask people on our intake forms, do you expect an inheritance? And even if they say yes and they tell us what it's about, we kind of keep it in the back of our minds. Right. We never project it in the financial plan. We want them to retire, assuming they get nothing. Because health care costs, right now, if the average stay is three years, the average cost is $250,000. It's going up by 5 to 6% a year, which means in 10 years, that's $500,000. Gone. You know, that was your inheritance. See ya. Sorry. So, yeah, it can go, go very quickly. It's interesting because when you say that, you get nothing. Um, it's tragic. Because a lot of people, like um, some family members, uh, they'll get their inheritance a little bit early. The other siblings may have to wait. Then there's nothing there. Then there's spouses that get involved. How often do you see spouses get involved in deaths and family inheritances? And Do you ever see the, the nasty side of death? I see it all the time. I mean, it's all in my own family. Yeah. I've heard so, that story. I know. Took your mom yeah, there's still no off. communication between my mom and her sister um, because of... When my great aunt died, when my grandfather died, all sorts of, and these were very small states. It just takes a little bit of money. Michelle Lerman, the attorney that we always have on, talks about uh, recently a state. There was two brothers fighting over Christmas ornaments, spent thousands and doll- of You're dollars kidding. trying to determine how to divvy up Christmas ornaments. The Christmas ornaments. I saw an estate held up for three years because of a meat grinder that they all use for hunting season. Yeah. Um, that. They couldn't agree on who got it. So just, let's share it. Every other year, we'll the meat. Share the meat. You know, kind of interesting. My They're family hunt together no matter what. My family has an heirloom. It's a Charlie Brown sweater from the 1960s. It's vintage, and I just stole it. Like, it like a Christmas ba- uh, bad sweater. Ugly it's, sweater. It's it's before ugly sweaters. It was an ugly sweater. Sweet. It's got a big Charlie Brown head on it mm-hmm. and his body. Um, so I just stole You it. could sell that to a hipster for so much money right now. Oh, I know. I know. Did you know hipsters now are doing uh, beard transplants? It's the biggest thing in New York. Um, $3,000, $7,000 for a beard transplant. No. I will show you. So you talk for a second while I pull up the story. <laughs> so I've, you ever go to a restaurant and just I, I sometimes can't focus if the conversation that I'm in is not interesting, so I'll listen to conversations. And I was in Portland, Oregon at a restaurant called the Observatory and like a whole group of just dressed to the T hipsters, the guys with the satchels. And these two guys sat there and talked about their beards for a half an hour, Rob. What can you say about your beard for a half an hour? I, I find it disgusting. Poor Gillette. Razor sales are down. And that is tough, tough, sad. tough go. So I think you're now starting to get the hipster craze is driving men to spend thousands of dollars on facial hair transplants. I can't make this up. And here's the doctor, $7,000 to pump up your beards, whether they're filling in a few gaps or doing a complete beard construction. Um, Dr. Jeffrey Epstein, a facial plastic surgeon who has performed the procedure for 12 uh, years, he basically started out just doing a handful. He's now averaging about three beard implants a week through his offices in Midtown East and uh, Miami as well. Standing to grow a beard so they can take that and then a little on this widow's peak, a little on this widow's peak. (laughs) Fill it in up there. I don't care about my face. You know, there's um, robotic 
hair transplants now. Robotic hair transplants? Yeah, it's a $12,000 treatment that they're giving away in the Academy Award swag bag. So it's a robotic arm that, like, plucks from and puts it. So it, like, plucks from different parts of your skull and replants it in your bad parts, your widow's peak, so to speak. You didn't see that. You know, um, you notice is uh, Tosh, Daniel Tosh, when he first yeah, had, yeah. came out of his show? Yes. Um, kind of, you know, receding hairline. Yeah. Full head of hair now. You really? get money, you make it big, you make money. There's ways to get hair, and I want to find out what that is. I've got my skull is not shaved for a shaved head, Rob. It's it's not. I've got a lot. You've got the alien skull. <laughs> it's one that goes like eight feet back. Um, <laughs> you've got the retractable jaws. Like you got it all. So great scene in the movie Alien, where the alien and at the end against Norman Weaver, she's trapped against a wall. Jaw comes out. And the jaw comes yeah, out and starts coming out. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, if you look at that, it's probably the cheapest special effect on the yeah, planet. Probably didn't age well. Much like Caddyshack didn't age well, with a little mole that dances. No. Groundhog that dances. So, okay, we've totally digressed. Should a man spend $3,000, $7,000 to get a beard transplant so he can look hip and cool and feel younger? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's part of everybody's financial plan. Well, imagine. Because you, if you have a good beard, you will marry a rich girl. <laughs> proven. It's a proven fact. She's a rich girl. I could use a little Daryl Hall right now, if you know what I'm saying. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Okay, that was a whole segment on long-term care, and it ends with beard transplants. And hipsters. And hipsters. Um, one of the questions that I have for you is moving in retirement. A lot of people in the Bay Area don't accumulate enough wealth to retire in the Bay right. Area. How do you go about figuring out where you're going to live? Friends, um, ask friends, family, read Forbes. Like, what do you do? Yeah, I think Forbes. You know, Forbes is really good at putting out um, Forbes and uh, Kipling Years is my favorite financial magazine. Right, um, and it's a great website. Yeah, so they talk about places. Uh, my dad lives in one of them, which is Ecuador, which I've talked about before. Malaysia, Belize. Um, if it's a really serious part of your financial plan, and I had an email the other day, someone, hey, if I if I move out of the country, do I still have to pay taxes? Yeah, you do. If you've got an IRA, if you move out of the country, do you get Social Security? Yeah. Okay, yep. back to your taxes question. Well, you can't, you still don't, you, you still pay the federal taxes. If you're not in the state of California, you're not going to pay the state taxes. Um, there you go. It's coming in. There you go. Keep talking. All right. Um, so, you, there's, and then there's, if you pay taxes in the country that you live and there's a tax treaty with the U.S., you get um, a foreign tax credit. Okay. So, before you leave, so you got to set it up, you got to find a good CPA here in the States that knows the issues with foreign taxes and familiar with that. And if it's a real serious part of your financial plan, start traveling, finding the properties now, because a lot of these property values are actually increasing in value a lot, but they're still way cheaper than the Bay Area. You can find Chad at newfocusfinancial.com. Going to break with a little Daryl Hall. Listen to that voice. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black. Joining me now, CFP. 
Alberti. Did you say Lords or did you say Lourdes? Or Lourdes. 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 What do you think? Talent? Not talent. Talent, for sure. Yeah. A, little, a little over it. Okay. Would you kill to have a voice like that? Like, we went to break last time with Daryl Hall. What would you give? A pinky? A million dollars? To have a skill thumb. You would give up a thumb? Yeah. You know, they say if a terrorist ever has you, which finger to give up? He's going to cut off one finger. Which one? Pinky. You yeah. Can, yeah, everything else you can learn. So... You can replace it by learning around it. Okay, so I'm speaking with CFP Chad Burton. Unless you have unusually small nostrils, then what do you do? Think about that for a minute. Wow. <laughs> you know, you could pick your friends and you could pick your nose, but you can't pick your nose, friend's nose. Yeah. You want to come back with another one? No, not at all. There's some sort of John Travolta dancing joke with a little boogie. No, it's a, uh, how do you make a napkin dance? Put a little boogie in it. There you go. Oh, big concept. Um, annuities. Yeah. I think this is probably the last big question that everyone has. Um, whether it's I've left work, I've got a big career, um, I've, I've accumulated a lot of money, a 401k, a 403b, a 457. What do I do with that lump sum now? Annuity or no annuity? Um, sometimes people are approached earlier in life about funding an annuity for the next 10, 20, 30 years. What is an annuity? Why is it something that we're considering? Well, you have to look at them, certain types of annuities. See, 99% of them are horrible. Um, certain types of annuities is bond alternatives. You never want to buy an annuity where you give up the right to the to your what you have. So a lot of people would go buy an immediate annuity from an insurance company. They have no more access to their principal. The only time that these decent annuity, you know, some of the no-lows or some of the shorter-term index ones that have an income guarantee – the only way that they're good is that if you need to change your mind in five years and bonds are more attractive again and you want to go out and do a bond ladder where you buy some five-year bonds, some 10-year bonds, some 15-year bonds, you want to be able to change your mind. So you want to be able to get your money back out of these things when you want to so that you can go back to bonds. So they make sense. A couple of them make sense these days as a bond alternative because your return potential and your income potential is higher than a current short-term bond fund. You don't want to be in long-term bond funds right now. Any bond funds that you have should be in short-term, short duration. And that means you're only going to yield 3%, and you still have a potential for loss of 10-year treasuries continue to increase. So retirees, you know, kind of the age of 55 to 75, need to look at taking part of their bond allocation and putting it into some of these fixed-income alternatives where you can get some potential upside in the market with income guarantees that are higher than bonds. Question. When someone sells you an annuity, I've never sold an annuity. I don't know what it looks like. How do you get commissions? Like, how do, how, what does it look like? Okay, so you're an insurance person, or who else can sell annuities? Can anyone sell annuities? Stock brokers? No, you have to be insurance licensed. Okay, so an insurance person sells an annuity. Right. His paycheck, he gets $10 an hour. He works 10 hours, he gets $100. When he sells an annuity, what does it look like? Usually 5 to 7% of the amount you put in. So if somebody invests 100000 insurance agent, the typical commission is typically somewhere between... Five thousand and seven thousand dollars. That's why when you go to a commission-based person, you get products that your money's tied up for seven to ten years because the insurance company needs you to stay there a certain amount of time in order to make up the commission that they paid to the insurance agent. So variable annuities, which are almost never a good idea, um, there are no-load versions of those where you don't need an 
an insurance agent. You just need to work directly with the company. A um, couple of the index annuities that are okay out there, and you still need an insurance agent. There's still not a no-load version of those right now. But what does their paycheck look like? Does it say commissions? Is it a one-time thing? Yeah. Is it spread out over three you, months? Is it spread out over a year? Like, I've never seen it. Yeah, some of the good ones, um, you can choose to take an upfront commission, or the agent can choose to take an upfront commission, or right. they can choose to take it as, instead of 5%, they might get 1% a year for five years. Would Something you, like that. Would you ever tell your kid to go into insurance? Um, property and casualty. Okay. That, that, yeah, because there's, there's a huge need for it. Okay. Health insurance, no. I would. Uh, health insurance agents that I know right now with Affordable Care Act are some of the most miserable people that I know. Yeah. My dentist was working on me recently, and he was like, you know, we're no longer the number one group to commit suicide. Like, talk <laughs> about miserable jobs, right? Yeah. So he was all proud of that. So I'm like, I, didn't, I didn't realize dentists used to be... Oh, yeah, for, oh, for a very long time. Um, it's got to be really discouraging to scrape plaque off people's teeth. Mm. Like you Stare saying, into a mouth all day long. Stare into a mouth of rotted teeth. I, I like asking doctors and, like, tell me your best story. So the hygienist who's cleaning my teeth, she said there was a guy from Stanford that came in who clearly hadn't brushed his teeth in, like, 30, 40 years. And there was no tooth lines in between them. The teeth had all become one tooth. So his whole jaw was just seamed together. Basically, with plaque. Yeah, he worked at Stanford. Yeah. So, welcome to California, my friend. Welcome wow. to California. Wow, nutty professor. Yep. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Anything we need? We got about a minute. A little song, a little dance, a little sultry. Little song, a little dance. You know, if if people do have those, if they are in an annuity now and they realize that they're in one of these bad high fee ones, which happens all the time. Yeah. Um, if it's an IRA, you don't have to be in the annuity. You can roll it out. Or roll it to something that works better as a bond alternative. Um, you can, but you can just go back into a regular brokerage account, buy bonds, ETF stock, whatever. Why are we talking about the Irish Republican Army? <laughs> they, they probably love that. It's Irish Week in San Jose, so watch where you step on like um, rain grates, because that's where they're face down drunk vomiting right now. <laughs> All week long. All week long. San Jose, everybody. So watch out for those rain grates. Drunk huh? Irish people caught in flash floods. How's that for cliche ending? That works. You, you can gotta, find you got to find at least somebody once per show. You can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Great downloads, great site, lots of videos, and more. The CFP Chad Burton. by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Savvy investors know where to find the best possible investment advice. And according to the financial... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.